Welcome to Jurassic Park. Howdy and welcome to this week's episode of Beers with Engineers, a podcast by Engineering Dads, where if it looks stupid but it works, then it's not stupid. This episode we commence the Engineering Movie Review. This week's movie, Jurassic Park. To see more Engineering Dads content like this, head to our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and TikTok on our link above to see our other projects. Let's crack on. And welcome back to Beers with Engineers, and let's crack them open. Let's get to it. Oh, Ooh, yeah, yeah, boys. I swear to God, if you drink near the microphone again. <laughs> you, you have a sock in the head coming your way, big boy. All right. Oh, big one. Okay, speaking of big ones, we are talking about the big cojones of every single film today, because I think we, we decided, we talked backstage, we're like, boys, we love engineering. However, you know, it's not always right. It's not, it's not always appeared accurately in film and television. So we're going to start off our reviewing scientific accuracy of films with the biggest, and I want to say one of the greatest films. I loved watching this movie, boys. How about you? Oh, I would Absolutely definitely loved agree. It. What a classic. It's a what? classic film. It's a classic of the big of the big boy himself. I want to say big boy a lot this episode, just to FYI. Emphasis on the big. big boy himself, Steven Spielberg's classic 1993 masterpiece, Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to cut that out and just put, uh, nah, some sound put that in. in. Nah, uh, but boys, fair enough. Do, you know, do you know what I found really interesting about this movie? As I was watching it, I'm like, fuck, a lot of the music sounds like it's from Star Wars or something. It sounds really familiar. Mm. And then I looked it up. John Williams is like the producer of all the songs in it. It's the same guy from Star Wars. I was mm-hmm. so impressed. I was mm-hmm. like, when's Darth Vader going to walk in here? Yeah, you, you can tell there's there's two producers that you know very well. One is, of course, um, uh, Williams. Yeah, Williams did a lot of like the Star Wars in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And then the more recent one, of course, is Hans Zimmer, who did mm. some really big ones. And you can tell they've got a signature on their music. But they my God, the music in this film... Man, that took me back. I felt like a child again. And then the animatronics, the dinosaurs, like it felt real. And for a movie that came out in 1993, I still, I'm still so impressed that even today's films, like the, the Godzilla film, the one in New York where it was just a big fish, that was awful. And that came out, what, 10, 20 years ago? This was 30. Anyways, great film. Great film, Jurassic Park. It's a great film, and we just for people out there that think we're going to shit on it, obviously we're not doing that. We're not here for that because we love the movie so much. We're just kind of, we're just, you know, it's not really accurate when it comes to the dinosaurs. That's the thing. So that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about some other stuff, some movie trivia, whatnot. Um, I don't really know who wants to kick it off. I reckon, uh, I want to go with James. James, you kick it off Mm. today. Okay. Well, it's good that you got me to kick it off because literally I got a point in the opening scene. Like, literally, straight away. Um, so, as you guys will remember, like, right at the start, someone drives in with a forklift, and they have a velociraptor in, like, this massive stainless steel container. Of course. Right. Um, just saying, I've driven forklifts before. If you would have... And they used one tiny sling to hold that container. Um, if you use a sling of that size, uh, the forklift would have been toppled over, 100%. Mm. But in real life, this probably wouldn't have happened, because the velociraptor, in real life, is only the size of a bush turkey. 
they got that part wrong. Yeah, um, it's a meter tall at maximum. They did have a cousin which had the height of a human. However, that one was not called the Velociraptor. Had a different name. They've potentially misnamed this dinosaur, but we've always carried it as the Velociraptor in future films. No, no, no. It's, a, it's not Velociraptor in the movie. It's only known as the Raptors. No, the the scientist calls it the Velociraptor when he's like, "What what dinosaur is this?" When he hatches and holds it in, in his hands, like that. Oh, it's a Velociraptor, and you like and traumatizes that child. Yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I'd probably reckon bring that in with like a massive crane or something. Don't use a forklift. It's really unsafe when it's like a moving dinosaur. Also, also, right, it's a metal cage, and they've got tasers. I don't know if you know this, but metal conducts electricity. What what, what was the logic there? You're going to shock everyone around you. And uh, anyway, so that was just something I spotted, very small, but additionally, just just think about it next time. Anyways. anyways. All right, all right, fair enough. No, <laughs> okay, since, since we're already on the raptor talk, I feel like we should just get every single raptor... Um related mm. inaccuracy out of the way because we're already on the topic. I've already got one. The vocals. There's no way of actually knowing what the vocal will sound like. No, you yeah, you're absolutely right. The the vocals that they said that they three D printed in the I think the future film or something, um, that one is up to speculation because there's no way to test until you put them in that behavioral um in that behavior or let them communicate to each other. But I mean, that's just a, a bit of liberty they took. Same for the bronchio, bron, bron, brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus, that's the mm. one where they would like sing to each other. Again, they're not sure those vocal cords would have made that sound, but it makes for good TV and good good movie. So again, they they wouldn't have known unless they actually bred them, which um, we can get into why that might not be possible or might be possible. Get into it, mate. Well, okay, so. Um, so the idea behind it was cloning, right? The the big idea behind cloning was they got mosquitoes in amber, they got stuck, and then they would extract that DNA, the blood, and then create the dinosaurs. One, um, the accuracy of the mosquitoes back in that time, that was true. They have survived since mm-hmm. that time to now, the same descendants of each other. However, um, a mosquito doesn't bite only one dinosaur. It's going to bite several so the blood that it has is a mix of different ones. How would they get a pure sample of blood if a mosquito had bitten other animals, which it needs to to survive? Also, the DNA inside of the blood would have decayed majorly over those tens of millions of years. You know what the half-life of DNA actually is? No. What no. is it? 521 years. The oldest, oh, the oldest sample of DNA scientists have found was 1 million years old. Damn. The oldest that's been found in the minuscule amount that they could DNA. And that's, just, that's, just, that's just DNA, yeah, but the DNA they would have taken And they're saying it. this blood lasted 65 million years or, you know, mm. give, yeah, or take, give or take... Yeah, extremely long time. Give or take 10 million. Yeah, a bit of a stretch. But, I mean, like, let's let's give them that that um, narrative liberty in that no. case. Let's let them roll with that one. Because that you one's... Know, it's, a cu- it's a cute idea. Yeah. Okay, I want to I be honest, boys. Like, when they came to the scientific stuff, I, have to, I had to Google a lot of stuff. Mm. So, when I was taking notes during the movie... I was just more or less just picking apart plot holes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, and I just wanted to because we're talking about the opening scene, and in the opening scene, like the 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 wiker, um, the the lawyer that's like in, the, the lawyer that is in charge of the insurance or like the investors uh, stakeholder yeah. in the company in this theme park goes to this place in I want to say South America. I don't really know the name of it. Mm. And t- to meet Hammond, Hammond's not there. And the guy says, oh, Hammond, he hates um, lawyers. Dr. Hammond 
is a straight A dickhead in this movie. I want to point it out there because oh, he's a centric billionaire for sure. For he's sure. an eccentric billionaire. I feel like that's the best way to say it. But yeah. exactly, he's a centric billionaire. He's an industrialist. He's a businessman. He's done so many business businesses before, and he really thinks that he can open this park up without showing anyone first. Or having yeah. any type of insurance on it. He's fucking delusional. Well, that's the storyline of why they brought in the paleontologist, the um, <clears throat> botanist, and the chaos mathematician. Again, if there's dinosaurs, why did you bring a mathematician? Again, yeah, Jeff, Gold- Jeff Goldblum's character was amazing. But why would you bring a mathematician to a dinosaur park? That seems a bit odd to me. I know, but you know what? No one can make... Look, walking up to a pet. No one can make walking up to a pile of shit look as sexy as Jeff Goldblum does. Oh, that scene where he's got his shirt open, just breathing after the <laughs> the legs broken. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. Girl- Anyways, oh, girlfriend, you're talking my language, Patty. I know. On the on the Doctor Hammond thing, though, you're talking about how he's just absolutely lunatic. He's ballistic. I, something I noticed that was just so dumb as well. He's like, do you know when they're they're doing like the theater performance at the start, and he's like doing that cool thing of how he's talking to himself in mm. like the movie scene. So you're telling me every single time yeah. tourists come yeah. to this attraction park, he's going to have to be there. Dr. Ham's going to have to be there to do that exact same thing. Over, I don't think he's going to be there. So he's just ruined I, yeah, millions I, of dollars. I disagree though. I think he would have, I think he enjoyed the park yeah, so much that he, he would have loved he, to have been he, to every he, single one. He would have loved it too much. He would have yeah. loved it too much. Okay. <laughs> if they ran like 30 of those films day for argument's sake, and he had like, millions of dollars of paperwork or something to do or just other things i don't think he's gonna yeah. be prioritizing I mean, he, to be there every single time you know I mean, if, if he actually, if he made a fully functional like awesome dinosaur park with like real life dinosaurs i would be there and i was there and yeah. i'll be there every day i'll be if someone said oh we have a board meeting in new york fuck that you're coming to me yeah i'm i i have my daily 10 12 2 p.m sessions for the for the kiddies like you come to me fuck off and like also you many dinosaurs were in that park right like there was a stampede of like a hundred dinosaurs running past um dr grant the kids he said he's been at the birth of every single dinosaur in that park so they imprint on him every single dinosaur and then we saw maybe i don't know let's say a hundred hundred total there's probably more He's been to every single one and will continue to be at every single one to get that imprint. I mean, the guy's just, he just wants to be around the dinosaurs, clearly. I think he just loves it. But let's let's move on to um, some of the other points. Uh, one of the ones you brought up was cloning. The cloning one's a really, really interesting story. So cloning, obviously, is not new. We've done it before. Um, but did you know it's been done for over 100 years? The, one of the first people to success, successfully clone something was in 192. A giant scientist um, was looking at a split embryo and made a twin set of salamanders. I'm really struggling with this today. <laughs> and then the other ones were he also um, they also created the female sheep, the dolly, um, which was what 1996. So this was after the dinosaur film came out, and so it definitely gave rise to the idea of cloning and made it more realistic—not realistic, but more interest in that topic. But um. Cloning's not impossible, but it's just very difficult to do. With this cloning stuff, like they mentioned in the they mentioned in the movie that there wasn't enough DNA, so they had to mix in frog DNA, amphibian yeah. DNA, yeah. amphibian. Would that actually be the case? Potentially, in a situ- because it, like, a- yeah. Sorry, keep going. It could be because all they'd be using the DNA for is just that um, double helix 
code and being able to like reform the proteins and whatnot. So that would just be a basis or a medium they use for it and they would just code it. It's kind of like making, I don't know, I guess a vaccine or something similar like that. Anything that uses mass um, protein um, and living mm. organism. But the, the question would be like the the frogs, right? Their DNA, their, their relation to dinosaurs are quite long. And this is something that was really interesting. So the one of the first ones was when they're talking about velociraptors, right? The body of the velociraptor, how they walk around. The back legs are arched, curved, similar to a bird. The word raptor is a translation for bird of prey. The, the um, T-Rex is related to the chicken, right? So why would you get frog DNA when more likely you would get bird DNA? Hmm. And this leads into the next thing that I have an issue with. They are quite close related to birds. And in the early 2000s, hmm. they actually discovered that the raptor, the velociraptor that we see, actually had spots where feathers came out. So, theoretically, all the dinosaurs in that film were not lizards. They were actually fluffy birds. Imagine a T-Rex that had completely covered in feathers. Wouldn't be as menacing, but is potentially possible. Well, paleontologists say that birds are pretty much dinosaurs of the modern day. Mm. Yeah. No, well, you know what? I believe, but they did reference that. Like, Dr. Grant, the the character Mm. Sam Neill plays, he did mention that, like, in one of his first scenes. Yeah. Where it's like you can tell by the arch of the back and you know the mm. wing, like there's like in the bone under the bones and whatever. I don't know. He he says some technical mumbo jumbo in it. No, absolutely. He um, I mean they they made a clear reference to birds, but then why didn't that carry that through with the actual like image of the the dinosaurs? Why didn't they look like birds? They look more like big lizards. Well, they try. I think they try. They try to make the uh, they try to make everything as scary as it could. Mm. Like that's what Spielberg is going for as just the colorization of all the dinosaurs because realistically the dinosaurs would not have been I don't, I'm smart you're smiling Sean I probably have you made this point as well but they weren't all brown black or gray or what, like white they mm. were actually like, multicolored they're multicolored animals you mm. know they, were, they, had, they had the oranges their reds their purples what have you like I feel like I feel like the men, the male probably would have been more colorful. I feel like there would have been almost like a peacock situation where like some would have been more colorful and they would probably would have been the males or whatever. Potentially, but I think some of the, the predators would have been similar colors because they want to hide. And so bright colors True. doesn't attract. True. I mean, yeah, they would want to... And that was another thing, right? Why, why would a velociraptor and a T-Rex roar while chasing a prey or when it just before it attacks? That is the worst time to roar. You roar after you kill something, right? You claim that steak is yours. You wouldn't roar before you killed it. It gives them a chance to run. That would be weeded out through evolution. But he got. But he. Mm. Dinosaurs would not roar. They would kill you, then roar. That's the way to, they would do it. You got to give the main characters a chance, though. Come on. I know. I couldn't know. You argue, couldn't you story. argue? though? The the T Rex had such big lungs, so like it. That was probably just his normal form of communication. Nah, it I mean, definitely roars to to scare the audience for sure. That's definitely not part of its. It wouldn't naturally roar when it breathes, like a bear has a heavy breath. I, I agree with you there on that point. But doesn't roar unless it's fighting something at equal size or after it's killed something. Mm. Yeah, and if, it, and if it wanted to make a noise, like, oh, sorry, I need to get my notes. <laughs> You've got notes, have you? I've got that's, notes. That's a weird coincidence. So do I. No way. Nah, me. so... Stop it. I, someone, they've theorized that dinos made noises like clacking their jaws, rubbing their scales, and basically swashing their tails. So why wouldn't you make one of those noises instead of doing a big fucking roar? Not as scary. Exactly. Hmm. They're trying yeah. to make everything a scale. I, I think we should. I think we should. Uh, t- t- 
take a time out and actually praise the the guy behind all the dinosaur stuff that we saw. Mm-hmm. There was a paleontologist, like a dinosaur consultant on set. The guy's name was Jack Horner. Jack Absolute. Horner, legend. It, sound- Lord on your- legend. it sounds like a fake name though, Jack Horner. Ah, I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, he sounds like he's a big fan of rhinos, you know? Fair enough, fair enough. And actually, since we're also on the topic, the security system set up at this park... Oh, dreadful. It's dreadful. Absolutely no, awful. I'm not even talking about like the... I'm not talking about the computer room. I'm just talking about the actual way everything is set up, like those big gates. Oh, awful. Electricity would not do anything to the dinosaurs. It's, it's not just that. It's not just that. They have a fucking live energized 10,000 volt set of wires and their only safeguard is a fucking sign. Come on. There's people coming in and out of the park and the only way is just letting you know, warning, 10,000 volts. 10,000 volts would fucking melt you. Oh, it's the 90s, I reckon. They got away with everything. No, <laughs> there was that- no safety. There was no signs. It was just, if you touched it, yeah, natural selection, mate. That engineer built a death trap. Yep. Oh, I mean, is an island full of dinosaurs. I don't, how much more death trap can you get? <laughs> a lot. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> On this whole energized gate thing as well, you remember this, like the scene where the kid get got shocked by electric wires? Oh, he's like, dead. Sent- For sure he's dead. Oh, he's dead. But, but he- there's also the argument that he wouldn't have been shocked because technically he might not have been grounded. If you assume those two wires had the same potential difference, he wouldn't have been grounded, so he wouldn't have even been shocked. No, I think what happens was... Well, yeah, the, the wiring itself doesn't actually make sense because all the wires are touching each other. They're meshed. But, They're fucking meshed. Yeah, so he's not touching the ground, so he wouldn't... I mean, we can take the argument that the wires are held together with non-conductive material and each second wire is conductive. So you the can, idea is yeah. the dinosaur is so big that it would touch two wires and would create a uh, bracket. Similar to way we're talking about the um, the shock jacket to stop guys touching girls uh, in nightclubs. Similar idea, where you get two strips of different polarity, and that would yeah. give you the shock. But yeah, that one, yeah, that dead. one's a weird one. I just, I just assume that they would have done it so all the wires are the same, but you can obviously argue, oh, they probably could have done this, or he could have been acting as like a capacitor or something, whatever. But the point being is, he, if he was to even get shocked by that, he would have been like melted. Like, And to add to that, you can't actually restart someone's heart with CPR alone. Like, you have to actually use a defibrillator. It has to be some sort of pulse and current to get them their heart beating again. The best way to get this heart beating would just be throw them at the wire again. Honestly, you probably have more of a chance than just like, yeah. Yeah. If it's not going to kill you, it will save you. I love your logic, Patty. Thank you. Exactly. (laughs) What only kills you makes you stronger. Yeah. Okay, so something something else that I really wanted to to talk about um, was the character of Jeff Goldblum. Right, Malcolm, the chaos scientist, the chaos mathematician. Now, the first time I watched this film, I thought he was a damn wet blanket. Like, he just seemed like a creep cracking onto people. But now that I watch it, he had some amazing lines. Like, he really, like, stressed his character out and became a really vital, like, argument going forward. He was the kind of the voice of the average person in that film. I really liked Malcolm by the end of it. Yeah, I liked his, like, analogies to chaos as well. At first, they were, like, a bit dodgy. Mm. But, like, the water there, you know, just a chaos theory. I'm like, ah, you, you're onto something there. I know you're an actor, but you're making this mm. make sense. I feel like there was so... Like, I know he makes that demonstration to um, Laura Dern's character, um, Dr. Sattler. Dr. Sattler, About yeah. the, like, dripping of water to explain what chaos theory is. I reckon, like, you would have had a better chance to just use that the chaos theory example, but with your wallet, or something a bit more better than just the water. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I felt like it was 
it's so up to interpretation. Like, of course, it will like. Isn't Chaos Theory about? Like, it's, he explains it. It's like it's like everything var- affects everything. Everything affects mm-hmm. everything. So I was like, okay, cool. But what if? Oh, I go into my pocket and instead of like taking out the twenty, I take out my ten dollar note. Like, yeah. So I, I think th- the thing is that movie that that scene wasn't about showing Chaos Theory. It was about trying to get her hand and touch it. It oh, was him cracking yeah, onto it. Yeah, it was just no. it was just a I way did. for him to. Um, Get hands I, on, Doctor Sattler. I did read some trivia that uh, Jeff Goldblum ended up dating Laura Dern after that movie. <laughs> oh, I think really? they practiced that scene several times. That's why. <laughs> oh, <laughs> baby. Cool. Nah, they dated for like two years or something. Oh, good on them. Yeah, I mean, here's what it is. This is nineties. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like he his character was so good because there were certain lines where I was like, oh, this guy's just a bit of a dick. Also, why did the lawyer bring him? Why would the lawyer go to a mathematician and bring him along? Like. He seems like such an odd character, yeah. but because he, he has to calculate the risk. And do you want to hear some of the the best lines that he had that I thought were really good? All right, go. All right, the, noted. The, the first one was when he was in the helicopter coming around, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that laugh?" <laughs> All right. The, the second one was when he saw the dinosaurs, and he says, "He did it, you crazy son of a bitch! You did it." Great line. That Great was awesome. Yeah. Carried forward. The the other one, which I thought was I cracked up just because it was us, was he was going they were going to the park. He went, "God help us, we're in the hands of engineers." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. Well, I'll, I'll cop that. Well, you mentioned the helicopter. You know what I found interesting about that helicopter scene? So on the way there, I don't know if this is just a camera or a cinema trick. Um, Doctor Hammond is clearly sitting on the left side of the helicopter. You can see the direction it's going in, mm. and you can see what side he's sitting on. When the helicopter lands, as it's landing, you see Doctor Hammond's now shown to be sitting on the right-hand side of the helicopter, and he gets out from that side. I had to like watch that again, and I was just like, "Wait, hold on," because like I don't know about you guys, but I felt so attentive when I was watching this. I'm like, I was <laughs> trying to pick up every little detail so I didn't like lose focus. That was I mean, we can co- argue that, that he's was, ran to that the was, other side of the helicopter because he's was so just cute. a continuity error. Give it a yeah. break. I think that's that's. Well, we can give that to a bit of grace, you know. I think uh, maybe he was just keen and ran to the other side of the helicopter to get out first. I well, mean, he was a bit of a gentleman when pouring that champagne. So, like, oh. I, I, that's okay. Thank you for saying that. Cause I was going to say that next bit. Did you realize they were drinking fucking champagne from a whiskey glass? Why was he pouring champagne into a whiskey glass? Well, that's the Eagle. argument was they didn't have champagne glasses because they were very well underfunded, and that's it's just a way of showing it. You work with what you got. Yeah. I think it was a really good, it was a smart trick to, to do that because it means that they didn't have the resources to have a, a champagne glass on a dig site. Why would you, right? It was. I think it was a good bit. Um, but hold on. I've got two more quotes by Malcolm, and these ones are actually quite good. So this is the one when they were talking about um, having all the dinosaurs female to stop them reproducing. So they only reproduced... Um, uh, they couldn't. Re- they can only. Re- they couldn't reproduce. They can only have eggs made in the laboratory. And it was this one. If there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, expands to new territories, crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously. But ah well. And then following that, life will find a way, or life finds oh. a way. That's a great line, and it, it does speak to the history of evolution of. Yeah, there's been hardships. We've had five different uh, cataclysmic events on Earth. One being the um, the meteor. But crocodiles and alligators are descendants of dinosaurs. They survived, and that's why crocodiles taste like chicken. Anyways, but I love that line. But there's the one that I thought was the best. 
And this is one that I think as engineers, you should definitely carry into your work. Um, and this is for anything, right? Yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. Mm. That is That speaks oh. really deep. It's like, just because we can doesn't mean we should. You know, like, yeah. there's a lot of things we build because they're fun, we can learn from them. But there's a lot of things we don't build because we know they're bad. A lot of people don't Dude. take that step and think about it and they just go I- for it. I thought I thought when you said like the most resonating quote you heard like that's an amazing quote but I thought the one you're going to say because this is the one that I found like most mm. I guess related to is genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever witnessed yet you willed it like a kid that's found in his dad's gun I was just like that's similar because like there's so much you can do with technology and if you're irresponsible with it and yeah that's, mm. that movie's a perfect example that's it it was escape the island right at the end because of like the chaos that broke out of it yeah no, that's, a, that's a definitely a good quote. Again, this just speaks to how good Malcolm's voice was. It was a perfect personification of the viewer's experience of how dangerous this could have been. It was a realistic, grounded approach to what was going on and really put into perspective how dangerous this actually was. At the time, we're captured by the awe of it. And you can see each character, and the last one was Dr. Hammond, each character realized how dangerous it was. The the scientists discovered it first. Well, not the scientists, the 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 main three characters, Malcolm, Dr. Sattler, and Alan Grant. Um, the kids discovered it shortly, and then finally it was Dr. Hammond when he said, "Yes, I also don't endorse my own park." It took him a long time to get to that point because it was always like, "No, no, no, we'll just upgrade security, will be fine. Don't worry about it." He didn't believe that he was in a position of too much power. Anyways, I loved Malcolm's character. I really resonated. With that character, he seemed like a really, really funny bloke. So yeah, I'm glad he got a second film. Yeah, but he they turn him into a wet blanket next. Yeah, he does. He does a little bit, but no. I think his his role in this one, Mwah. beautiful, <laughs> gave me the old uh, Lando Calrissian vibes. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that was my part. I've got a question about the Raptors again. <laughs> Let's get back to him. Can a raptor open a door? Oh. Like, okay, I don't know how if there's a, a yes or no answer to this, but I found it was just so counterintuitive that it was smart enough to open a door, but dumb enough that it couldn't roll itself over when it fell on its side. Like, it, it, it was such a strong animal, like such a strong dinosaur, sorry, animal, the same thing. I don't know how it couldn't roll it, figure out, oh, I needed to, like, use the, you know, the turn of my body to get mm. back up here and chase his kid down. But it's like, oh, I know how this door handle works. Yeah, I mean, I just, the third Jurassic Park has the dino- the raptors running around like clowns. They keep slipping around and falling over and everything. So this one was a bit better. Uh, that one, if you want to watch that, terrible dinosaur um, balance in that one. Some very, ter- some very terrible dinosaur balance in that one. I just found it funny. There's like, but that venom-spitting dinosaur, I forget what it's not called. True. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not true. They can't spit venom. There's, mm. They can't, like, frill their necks up to make a giant, like, a weird target. Like, mm. like it's a, what's the, uh, what's that, like, like, the line, like, the line fluff? What does it call it again? The mane. The mane. It's, they can't make, like, their mm. neck into a mane. They were just, like, a, they're a pretty ordinary dinosaur. Like, they were actually a lot bigger, a lot stronger than they actually make it out to be. Yeah. Additionally, too, I think that probably took a bit of liberty from the the what's the lizard in Australia that does that, where it has the, the, the frills, frilled neck lizard, and it yes. chases you around quite aggressively. I'm pretty sure what they did was, what is a dinosaur that would reflect Australia? Something that spits venom and has uh, just screams and runs at you and is terribly dangerous, but really cute. Ah. Already has, 
They already had Sam Neill in it. It's all good. Yeah, true. They had a great, great Australian there. Actually, fun fact about the... He's uh, New Zealand, right? Is he? I think no, so. I thought he was Aussie. Oh, okay. Or New Zealander. Yeah, I'll what's... check. Same, same, same. Anyways, go, keep going. No, but f- fun fact about the casting for Dr. Alan Grant. Originally, it was going to be Harrison Ford. Oh, right. And then Harrison was like, nah, he can't... He, he's the one that turned it down, which is like... This is peak acting. Oh my like, god! This, this is peak choosing your roles because it's like could, obviously could, any actor could have done it, but it's like what the right actor because if Harrison did Harrison Ford did it, he would have appeared too macho or something like that. He would have appeared too like. Dude, could you imagine him and Jeff Goldblum together? Nah, it would honestly it would be, be so it would so, be so stale. Mm. Like, uh, Sam Neill was like the perfect choice, or that actor like that, not like not the most like manly manly bloke but just like you know just kind of like an average guy you know just like it's like he he did alan Grant had to be the everyman yeah yeah also sam neil is actually born in ireland raised in new zealand and now lives in australia so oh, uh we're all close wrong enough. <laughs> close enough we'll all take the l for that one i didn't guess um whatever whatever okay i just got zero on that question okay all right. yeah all right here's something that, that, that's a non-attempt yeah. All right. Here's something I, I want to talk about because we talked about this before we actually watched the film. Dinosaurs can't see unless they move, right? We've talked about bullshit. This. Bullshit. Big bullshit. So um, they they watched this film right in 1993. The film came out in 1993, and a paleontologist from the University of I think Oregon. Hold on, let me read my notes. Um, University of Oregon. Yeah. Right. I said, all right, I'm going to test this in 1993. So. He got the a paleontologist to help design a model of a, of a skull of a Tyrannosaurus rex and use like a taxidermy eye, a mirror, and a laser. What they found was the dinosaur's range of binocular vision was about 55, a range of 55 degrees, which is better than a hawk. Like you imagine a hawk, how well they can see. This is better than that. Additionally, too, they proved it because um, as the Tyrannosaurus rex developed and evolved, its snout got longer which means it decreased its vision. Therefore, its eyes also got bigger and higher up, and it kind of moved to try and accommodate for the larger snout. So mm. it's showing that the, the sight was in a very important part of its vision. So saying that dinosaurs can't see if they uh, can't see unless you move was straight up a lie. It had better vision than a hawk. Can you imagine trying to run away from a dinosaur if it could see better than a bird? You'd be fucked. Oh, yeah. As well as that, its eye sockets also face forward as well, which also suggested through evolution it had to have some sort of vision and it was mm, important. It was important, yeah. And st- they've also found soft tissue of um, the T-Rex as well, part of it being able to relate to the brain and found that it had an optic nerve oh, through like perfect. carbon dating exactly. stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, it's there's that, that theory is like way yeah. um, outdated. Yeah, so, so the study actually estimated that a T-Rex's vision is 13, 13 times better than the average human. So it would see you before you saw it. That's how good it is. But let's assume there's some literature freedom here. We take some liberties. It was mixed with a frog DNA that was just blind. Let's just say that and just pass it on. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. I've got another plot hole. Mm, Go for it. This movie wouldn't have happened if all these vents, I'll say this, these events on this particular day for this movie would not have happened if John Hammond... Pay the security guy more. Okay. Also, why the fuck is the security system completely like pinned, 
pinnacle. Like they, it's completely underpinned by one dude who's unhappy. Surely that, <laughs> that's a bridge in itself. No, I had a massive argument about my, about this with my mum last night after I watched it. It's like, no, he would have <laughs> still betrayed her even if he he would have still betrayed him if he got um, the money. It was like, mum, I'm not saying that he wouldn't have betrayed him. I would have said he probably would have waited until the park was up and running to then betray him. So it would have happened, but would have happened at a later date. Because yeah. if there was more people around, it probably would have been a lot easier to like, I don't want to say escape, but probably get get away at harm's free if there was a lot more people. It's sort of yeah. like a weird Jurassic World situation. But also, it's like, yeah, the security necessary for the park, if they hide one guy, Newman, would be made irrelevant. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if they literally hide one more guy, I, I kind of re- I, I said that wrong, but if they hide like a second guy to be like yeah, computing security, security with Newman... Yeah, I don't know what it, I don't know what the character's name is. I just call him Newman because he's got the guy from Seinfeld. If they hide one other <laughs> Dennis guy, Nedry. Dennis, thank you. If if they hide one other guy besides Dennis, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I think I think it was a pretty big flaw that they only had one person on security and then one person in the control booth, and then the one security guard who was Australian at the start turns out he's South African, then became American by the end. I don't know what's going on with that accent. Pre- but yeah, sure it was, it was it probably, was, I think it was British at one point. Yeah. For a guy that's Is this spent, Robert Muldoon? Yeah. Yeah. For a guy that Bob spent Pat. so much money to the point that had really good ice cream, he couldn't have hired a second person in the control room? Like, really? Oh, I, no, I spent no expense. Oh, he sent it he, so many times. Literally, he's like, I spent no expense. Spent no expense. It's like, well, clearly you fucking did because you're probably yeah. paying that guy 30 grand a year. I reckon he would still be on a good bit of coin, but the guy just oh, wanted more. He, I think the guy was had a fatal flaw that he, he was just greedy. He would have been on a lot of coin, a lot of coin. Mm. Yeah, he just kept demanding uh, more and more. Um, actually, actually, I want to talk about the um, that shaving cream. Oh, I've got to point on sh- that as well, but you go first. No, no, you go, you go, you go. He sprays his shaving cream on his hands when he's at the cafe, and then he just flips it on the pie behind him, some chick's pie, and she's just sitting there like laughing and talking to the, her date. I'm just like... Surely you just saw someone throw aerosol on your fucking pie. Yeah. Another yeah, plot, a little stretch. I just, I really want to design that. Not like that specific, like, uh, design what are you to, trying hold to, hide embryo, to, to, to hide embryos, but it'd be like, like sneaking, like a sneaking a beer into the, into the footy, you know. <laughs> Why would you bring shaving cream into the footy? I think it asks more questions than it, and yeah. then than it hides. It's a oh, bit too. I it's too I just conspicuous. Went to, I, I just went to Kevin's warehouse before, and I can't leave it in my car. I got to take it with me. Now nah, they wouldn't let know. aerosol cans in because I think uh, they knew. Ever since this film, they don't let aerosol cans on planes God, or in places. God they would it. know. <laughs> they would know because people have tried this. But yeah, designing that it's not that hard. All you need to do is have a low pressurized container at the top. Um, and all you have to do is have it reduced um, in volume. So it wouldn't have the same amount of, obviously, spray coming at the top. But you could easily do that. But yeah, no, it's just spray. But you would also feel immediately that it's not completely, like, the, the weight distribution through it would be very bottom-heavy. And you can feel that and go, something's here. And it would rattle a little bit. No matter how yeah. well you do it, it would rattle because it's got, like, a screw cap. And a metal ball yeah, in it as well. ball bearings. And they had, like, a CO2 chamber in there. I think I saw a nitro... Uh, NO2 or CO2 canister in there. I guess it was yeah, that to was to represent the, the the cooling mechanism. Mm-hmm. But again, not going to be perfectly sealed. There's going to be a little bit of rattle and it's going to be very bottom heavy. So you would notice straight when you picked up and went, this isn't shaving cream. Like straight away. 
sorry, I'll, because you mentioned the um, CO2 canister or the liquid nitrogen, um, I wanted to touch on that. There's a part when Dennis walks in to like get the embryos and he like presses a couple of buttons and like the embryos raise a bit and it, like it opens up. I, I like have to pause it. There's nothing holding that like container up. It's just doing it on its own like gravity. And like there's no structure. There's no spindle underneath. Mm. It's just, it's like literally midair. I'm like, yeah, it's spring brother. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It was kind of cool, but also a terrible way to store embryos because, like, it's just, like, stuck onto the side of it. So, they could just fall off and crack. Like, surely you would... If something worth billions of dollars, you would have it in, like, something that's perfectly holding it, not stuck to the side of a little round wall. A tray, like a massive tray or something that's perfectly sealed. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, what temperature do you need to hold embryos at? I don't know about human embryos, but, like... Or actually, any embryos? To be honest, I don't. I haven't researched that. But Do you um, want to tell us something, Sean? Are no, you the, no, are you I definitely don't. Hide the emperor of embryos presents. Yeah, my my electricity bill is massive, but that's not because of the like the three massive coolers downstairs holding dinosaur eggs. No, but like, <laughs> like how cold do you need it to be? And again, the guy said it's like oh, the last sixteen hours canister. Really? How the hell did you manage that? Also, it would be cool for a bit, sure, but it's it's not insulated. It's going to leak. Like that, that the temperature is going to increase slowly. It's not sixteen hours. It's like saying, "Oh, your beer stays cool in an esky for twenty hours." It changes temperature. It stays kind of cool, but you need it to be at the exact same temperature at all times. Too cold, it dies. Too hot, it also dies. And it, so it's going down this like gradient, right? It goes really cold, then slightly warmer, going going up, right? It's going to kill the embryos. Like, okay, maybe we give some narrative and some special material or something. I don't know, but. Yeah, bit of a stretch. Also, did that boat have a place to keep the embryos? Probably not. It's Who a knows? boat. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty fucking conspicuous. Anyways, so, so, something I wanted to touch on as well, like was one of the topic of like embryos and and whatnot. There's like a part where they talk about they like genetically modify them to all be female, and like the guy goes, "Oh yeah, I just blocked a hormone off, and by blocking that hormone, I stopped them from turning female." Like a, a hormone is a type of like substance that transports chemicals if you were to block a hormone off in any production process doesn't matter what it is you would just kill you would kill the embryo you would kill the fetus because all embryos need a little bit amount of every hormone as males we need a little bit of estrogen in production it's the chromosome that determines the um the final like makeup and that's my understanding and also right they said there was like two million lines of genetic code that if you looked at it and try to read it like it was flying past on the screen, you'd look at it, it'd take like several years or something to, to read all the numbers. And they used computers. And then like the VR headset, which had no headset, it was just a guy with a mask on doing like hand movements. Um, that was fucking weird. Anyways, um, yeah, sorry, what was I talking about? I just got stuck by the VR. <laughs> the like thousands of lines of code? Yeah, okay. Um, oh, no, nah, I've lost it. Never mind, keep con- continue. <laughs> Well, on, on on that, like, thousands of lines of code, Mr. DNA was really cute, but didn't represent a double mm. helix, and I wasn't okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> also, like, again, thousands of lines of code, and they, like, played around with something to change its gender, right? They played around with the gender or the, the DNA, tried to splice it. How many dinosaurs do you reckon they tried to make and killed before they finally got a successful dinosaur? I'm thinking thousands. I'm thinking, like, 3,000 to 1. Yeah, because even oh, yeah. Dolly, the one that was cloned in 1996 after this film came out and used scientific processes, the Dolly didn't last long. 
because it didn't have the same growth cycle, um, it, it died quite quickly. Clones don't live that long. So it's it's weird to think that, oh, yeah, we've got this perfect dinosaur. How many died? Because I'm going to imagine there's more than more than a few, you know? Anyways. I better in a lot. Well, I mean, okay, on the topic of, of death, I think this whole movie was just unethical. Oh, yeah. I think it was unethical. Yeah, I mean, dinosaurs didn't ask to be pulled back. And when they yeah. did, they definitely weren't very happy with their captors. That's that's a big part of it. But the, the unethical part I was thinking of is like, the dinosaur's meal is a whole fucking cow. They're breeding dinosaurs for an attraction park, which is going to equate to dozens and dozens of farm animals needing to be slaughtered. Yeah. What, one cow like, a day? <laughs> oh my God. How many cows are you going to have? You're going to have a whole paddock just to feed these things. Did they have a separate zoo just to feed the, the dinosaurs? Like... Jesus. Oh, oh, that's, what I was, that's what I was thinking. I was like, also the goats and stuff. Like, mm. Well, you just have them ready to go in a conveyor belt, send it up to the T-Rex enclosure. Hmm. Also, another thing, right? The, the goat came out of the floor, came up, and was right next to the fence. Then the dinosaur came up and ate the, the goat. Then during a bit of a fight, they kinda, the car broke through the fence, fell down, and then there's a massive gap. Yeah. Well, what happened? Yeah. Was it, like, it flat and then a, a drop? It's a fucking like, cliff. Yeah, so like, how yeah, did the yeah, dinosaur yeah, yeah. get up to the the fence? And if that's the case, yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> did, did the dinosaurs climb? I don't know if you oh. know the T Rex's little tiny arms. Not a great climber. Yeah. It made me really trip for a second. I was like, wait, what was I? Did I see? Wait, what, was I looking down the entire time? I was so. Which actually would have made more sense for mm. an enclosure to look down. Yeah, yeah. Why would you need a metal fence when you got a hundred meter concrete wall that you're looking down from? It's like the crocodile thing when you go to the wildlife zoo in um in in Sydney. Yeah, no electric fence there. I mean, very dangerous animal, but yeah, just, that works. Oh, Look oh down on okay. It. You know what? Since we were talking about the coding beforehand, two things. One, mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson in this movie, awesome. Like, it's like mm-hmm. very very yeah, yeah. early of his. <laughs> Compulsive smoker. No, not one scene without him with <laughs> a cigarette in his mouth, and <laughs> yeah. I love it. I I, I, I thought it was. This is so nineties. This is this is nostalgia right there, yeah. then and there, because like no one cares. Oh yeah, smoke away. Yeah, smoking's healthy for you. It makes you a man. Mm. No, it doesn't. It just gives you cancer. Yeah. Anyway, eight out of ten doctors smoke Winfields. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Marlboros, baby. No, <laughs> finger guns all the way. Finger guns all um, day. And the second thing is the hacking done in the movie. <laughs> I. Do not get me. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I just want to describe because if you haven't seen this, but the hacking in this movie is the young girl Lex, like one of the two girls, she needs to quickly like turn everything, turn all the like the uh, computing services back on in the facility, mm-hmm. and the way she does it is on the computer. It looks like she's a plane going like landing onto mm. like several billions and just going in between the buildings trying to find the right file because the files are stored in a weird 3d software space yeah i mean just it, the, the computing power at the time to build a 3d model to visualize oh. your database and then link it correctly oh, oh stretch, Bit of stretch. Oh, just just it's use just, just use a word document <laughs> on, on the whole topic of the coding as well. It's a macro, <laughs> one Excel. <laughs> yeah, well, towards the start, um, Dennis goes, oh my God, this is such a big like um, coding software. It's taken me ages to, to build. It uses 200 lines of code. I was just like, wow, I'm impressed if it only took this guy 200 lines of code to like program an automated car ride at a high-tech security dinosaur park. That's impressive. And then later on when um, Ray Arnold, who Samuel Jackson plays, is trying to like 
get everything fixed. He goes, I finally fixed it. It took me two million lines of code to fix. And it's just like, so hang on a second. No, <laughs> so, he reset it, didn't he? He reset yeah, the whole it, program. It, it deleted the 200 or whatever it was. Well, no, <laughs> he had to write two million lines of code to fix it. And no, he, he, said, he had to read through it. He needed to figure out which lines of code he changed. <laughs> it wasn't he had to rewrite. Bro, Hammond, even, like, Hammond it, is the guy to hire. He's, a, then, he's, a, he's a hiring king. Even then, like the fact that he got through two million lines of code in that short amount of time. Meanwhile, Dennis is just struggling to put two hundred lines of code together. It didn't even work. I was a yeah. bit of a bit out of the uh, out of the blue. Also, speaking also, of that scene where they they lock the door, right? They're like, "Oh my god, this secure door! The, the, the Velociraptor can't charge through." Then it crashes through the, like the non-protected window next to it. What What are you doing? If you're gonna have a locked door, have the window so you can't just walk through it. Or, you just also, dive through. Also, what happened to all the other employees on the island? I think they left because of the storm. Took they were saying at the start, everyone get on the Sorry, boat. Strike. But oh. it seemed a bit pretty, pretty uh, convenient, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, no, but the storm was happening whilst they were like having the, like I guess, like a lunch or dinner or something like that. And there was a chef right there. And it was like, what? And I was like, how did it? I thought they had a oh. lunch. They made lunch. Then um, everyone left. And then they went on the car ride with the skeleton crew. Okay, yeah. I think that's what happened. Oh, I was... Oh, either way, I was very confused. Like, why wouldn't you have your staff there? It's like a, it's a storm. Like, they're living on the facility anyway. Wouldn't a boat be more dangerous than a land? Mm. Speak, yeah. Speaking of lunch, did anyone else notice how they didn't finish their lunch on that first, like, lunch scene when they this got happens there? This happens at... This happens in every American movie. It's like you know, it's like you watch. I was watching like Cheaper by the Dozen like a couple of nights ago, and you know, fa- a great movie. A family of twelve. This, this like the wife and kids. They're making a they're making a feast. Like you know, it's like so many bacon, so much eggs. It's like a full English, and they take oh, gotta go. Takes a bite of toast and gets out of the room. I would be oh, insulted if I was the mum. I was yeah, like, like, I have made food. You come back now. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? No, yeah. you, eat your food. You gotta be late for the bus. Oh well, that's that's the thing. We go to family feasts, and I come from a wok family, so we're sitting down. Everyone's eating, and someone's like eating. It's always like, why aren't you eating your food? Are you why sick? are you not eating you your food? Or something. <laughs> you can't get away with it. Yeah. You, ve- you vegetarian? I make you chicken. Yeah, the look of like shock and horror on the parents' face. Oh no! Oh. Why you no eat? <laughs> Try to go Italian. Didn't work. Anyways. Let's get back also, to Jurassic Park here, boys. No, I, okay. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, so also, like, since we're on the subject of food, like when the kids, when Dr. Grant and the kids finally get back to the facility, mm. Dr. Grant goes down to the basement, leaves the two kids up there, okay, whatever, and they start like chowing down on the food, and one of them is like cake and like, like looks like, like a, cre- looks like a cheesecake and jelly. Mm. Wouldn't that, like, <clears throat> I assume they're in South America. Yeah. From like what they say, like a South American island, mm. wouldn't that be melted by now, or like not the best looking? Like there'd be flies all over it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have suggested to eat. I mean, if you're that hungry, you'd risk it. But they've they've only been out a day. Like they, they shouldn't be that hungry, right? They're fine. They, they uh, had dinner. You know, to, to be fair for the kids, like they actually, they I feel like the I feel like the kids come from a bit of a spoiled family. If you know what I'm saying. I mean, their dad's a bill. Their granddad's a billionaire. I mean, exactly. they also had some trouble at home, right? Like I said, the the parents were having difficulties or something, right? Is that was that part of the? Mm, I don't know, but then? honestly, like the the kids serve no purpose for this movie. Yeah, it's a, 
Uh, no, they, I they think were, they were good. They were good. They, um, they were there to the kind of. They were there for a. Ca- they were there to build character to make the full character arc for Sam Neill's character mm, because right. at the start he's job oriented, hates kids, then he's forced to basically babysit these kids when shit hits the fan, mm. and he then turns out to you know care about them, saves one of the gu- kids' life, is caring for them, and then at the end you know they're all cuddled up on the uh, like the helicopter, but bes- like. But that entire like two-hour run, they're nothing but a hindrance to his mental well-being by doing like everything. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, it's not that hard to climb a fucking fence, or well, climb the tree, know, or I, I, he he, he, he climbed a tree. He he climbed like a massive like fifty-foot tree beforehand. This fence is nothing to him. Like, this kid, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I kind of felt bad for him when he was just like admiring and going, "I really liked your book." Um, and then he just the guy just goes, oh, what car are you going in? Slams the door, and I'm like, oh yeah. No, oh, yeah. If a kid was coming up to me saying, oh, thank you for the work you've done, I'd be like, look, like here's my autograph, whatever. Like I don't want to make him feel like shit. Yeah, <sighs> I guess he just had a bit of resentment towards children, and you saw that at the start of the film. And so there's so many different narratives here that they kind of solved. Additionally, I think the kids um, added to the the narrative of uh, Doctor Hammond where he went, no, I want to build something for kids. I want to build something that they would love and enjoy, like the flea circus that I built as a kid. And then he's watching his grandkids being chased by dinosaurs, and the fear sets in that this might not just be my kid, this might be every kid, and mm. this is not the place for them anymore. This gave It gave him a stake in the game. If he lost uh, a paleontologist mm-hmm. that he pays mm-hmm. money for if they survive, uh, whoop-de-doo, he didn't care anyways, right? Probably people died building this park. He still kept building and said how wonderful it was. But if his grandkids died, that would have bit him. And that's why I think they were that's there game as well. Over. They made him. They made him have a, like a big stake in it because that's what he cared about: having kids see the world the way he sees the world when he was a kid. And yeah, I think that was why another thing that they provided in the story. Mm, I mm. like that. Uh, backtracking to see what the real message was there, Sean. Nice. Mm. I do want to dig up there. <laughs> since uh, we're, we're, we're about to wrap this up, I believe, I do want to point out, I don't really think there was an ending to this movie. No, yeah, there wasn't. They they, they just flew away. No, it was well, like, they, they said my, that. I, this no, isn't okay. my problem anymore. We're just going to fly away. <laughs> well, additionally too, right? So they said that this dinosaur has the attacks on the, uh, like the attacks of the Velociraptor. And that's why in the later films, that there's a T-Rex with scars on it because from the attack from inside the museum or the, the lobby from this film, it's the same dinosaur. But they said that the dinosaurs require a certain amount of like an insulin or a hormone to survive. If they don't get it, they die. They're dependent on them. So every single dinosaur on that island will die. However, for the, the sake of the story, they all survived. They, life found a way, to quote a great man. Yeah. Also, like the um, like Why the, the spe- man once said. Yeah, speaking of life found a way, there's like there's that scene where they fight, where they stumbled across eggs that were hatched in the middle of the forest or something like that in the middle. Yeah. Of- so like that kind of proves the theory. Oh, sweet, life found a way. But there was no payoff because we didn't see the the raptors yeah. or anything like that. But obviously, it wasn't probably budgetary reasons or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we actually. I, they might have they might have come back in the second or third one. I'm not I'm not too sure, but they, they are egg laying in the future ones. Yeah, but they can't. They just kind of left it there. It was like what I want. I want to see the baby. Like it was a massive tease. Well, I think was it's that- the idea that once the hairy bird lizard's out of the bag, it's out of the bag. You can't get it back in. So even if they try to kill the dinosaurs, they would have survived. It's like the and the idea organ. that you 
yeah, you've you've brought back a dangerous animal, and there's no way to put it and get rid of it. It's always going to mm. be around. True, true. Well, uh, that's that's what the uh, the next Dra- Jurassic uh, World is going to be dealing with. The Jurassic World Dominion mm. or something like that. Where basically, yeah, like everyone's coming back for that. But like Doctor like Sam Neill's character, Laura Dern's character, um, not not Richard Attenborough. Unfortunately, he's passed away. Um, actually, mm. and also like another trivia fact: this was this movie. Richard Attenborough's character well, this was his first acting role for 14 years so the last acting role he did was like in the 70s so he came out of retirement specifically for like retirement of acting specifically for this role oh interesting I did not know that no because he was like he, he was directing and stuff in, in between that so like the most famous thing he's probably directed that maybe we'll probably know is the is the Robert Downey Jr. biographical movie Chaplin so, mm. and that came out like a year before this movie came out. Right. I did not know that. Interesting. Sorry, something I've been raring to like go on about as well is the T-Rex attacking scene. Like there's a bit more on that. Did you guys see the part where like he like break or she, sorry, breaks into the top of the car? Oh, is that dead? Knocks the, like the glass panel down and doesn't break the glass. Like, the glass doesn't shatter everywhere. What the fuck? Surely it would like... Yeah, just the yeah. weight the of that sheer head force. would have been like half a ton. And it, it couldn't and have then, forced it more. Like, yeah. there's no way the kids are holding that up. No, no way. And then, and then he goes and chases the lawyer into the toilet, and then knocks that building down, and everything falls perfectly around him. Doesn't collapse on top of him. Just like folds down, and the toilet stays there, and the toilet just gets knocked off. Like you don't see the plumbing mm. around the side of the it's, building. It's a bit or of anything. dark humor. I, I would give that one. I, it, it was kind of funny. It was in a terribly dark way was, yeah. of a guy dying on a toilet, but. Um, no, I understand what you're saying. It, it, it was, yeah. Everyone gives the lawyer shit, but he was just there yeah. to do a job. Man, yeah, the man was just trying to pay bills. That's He's like, oh, my job is just trying to make money for a company. Name a lawyer that doesn't do that. Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> no, and honestly, he's probably getting paid like he's probably getting paid shit. Like he's getting paid okay lawyer standards, but compared to the people he's serving, like the people like who are like his bosses and stuff. He's getting paid yeah. pennies to Yeah, he's a lawyer that went to site. Give him a bit of a raise. Like he's a he's just doing his job and he's doing it fairly well until everything mm. went to shit. He's out he's out in the field. He's going into the middle of the jungle yeah. for you guys. Oh ah, well. It was Compensa- compensate exactly. his family. Well, twenty million dollars was what the the other guy got. But anyways, look, uh, that was a fantastic film to watch. I really enjoyed the idea of going back and watching films and trying to like pick out um, some of these historical inaccuracies what's a what's another film that we could watch 100 percent. i reckon we'll leave it up to the people watching listening to this Ooh, suicide squad so no no we'll we'll leave that for another we'll leave that for uh well we'll find out like we'll see if we get any suggestions from anybody we'll uh we'll do it if not then we'll just try to pick one behind the scenes um in the meantime everyone have a good afternoon have a good week have a good life see you soon see you later everyone see you later